I have many, many questions that I want to ask God about. I also want to have a long conversation with Adam and Eve and with my guardian angel. I think that might take a few years of the 1,000. But there are three questions that uh, this magnificent trio posted a few moments ago. And I want to address them uh, for a few minutes. How do we know God is just? Why am I in heaven and someone I thought should be is not? Or maybe the question should be, why I am in heaven? <laughs> that will be one of the three great surprises. And the other one is, how come I thought that so-and-so would be here and is not? And this so-and-so, what are you doing here? <laughs> many, many, many stories come to mind. There was somebody at Grossmont Hospital, and I don't know who that person was or is, who every single time that a member of my former church would be taken to the hospital, she would call me, and so-and-so is here. And one day called me and said, so-and-so is here. I know he's not a member, but he wants to talk with you. So I couldn't believe it. It's somebody who has made his, his wife's life impossible because she was a member of God's family. And he didn't believe in that stuff. And now he's in the hospital and he wants to talk with us. <laughs> I went fast to see him. I just couldn't believe it. And he was sitting on his bed. And he said, I'm dying. And I'm so fearful. Please help me. I need help. And I said to myself, wow. Wow, Lord. Why is it that has to be this final moment for him to finally confess his faith in you, in you and not he hasn't done it before. And we talk about that. And he accepted Christ as his personal savior. And when he's talking and giving his first testimony, we prayed and he was giving his first testimony. His wife came. And she said, what's going on? And I said, he will tell you. And I left. And about half an hour after that, he died. I expect to see him in heaven. And I remember something that he told me. I know that I'm being very selfish. I know that it's the last moment. I'm dying. I'm dying. But I'm so afraid. I told him the story of the thief on the cross. And he said, I never heard that before. That is for you too. That is for you too. How do justice and mercy mix in the hands of gr grace? Justice and mercy. Justice and mercy. The first person, the first person I visited when I was invited to be part of the former church that I served, it was a phone call that came to my house. And a lady, a woman, in, probably in her early 40s, call and she said, my mother 
was a Seventh-day Adventist, and she has been in coma for the three last weeks. She's in hospice, and I know that she would have asked if she had the opportunity to be anointed before her death. She didn't say anointed. She said to administer her the last rites. Would you be willing to come to hospice fast? Sure. I came and said, but I want to see you. At what time do you want to come? Me to come. Ten o'clock. I would like to see you and your brothers or sisters, if you have any siblings, before, I, um, before ten o'clock. Because I want to explain the difference between last rites and to be anointed. Sure. So I came. It was 15 minutes to 10. The person who was dying was behind me. And the two sisters were right here. So I, was ex I explained the difference between last rites and being anointed. And when I finished the explanation, a voice came from behind me and said, I don't want the last rites, I want to be anointed. <laughs> and the two ladies, they, oh, they couldn't believe that the mother was alive and talking. <laughs> and then she said, you two get out of the room, close the door, I want to talk to the pastor alone. So I knew it was serious. And I sat next to her. And then she opened her heart and shared things that she had never shared before. And we asked God for forgiveness. And I have no doubt that God forgave her. And then she said, now you can invite my daughters to come back. But don't ever tell them what I said. Don't worry. <laughs> so the, uh, the two ladies came. I anointed her. I came to my home about 10 minutes after that. And the message was already, our mother has died. That is mercy. That is mercy. She needed to get away with a, a burden, a heavy burden from her heart. And to confess her uh, belief and trust in Jesus Christ. Well... These questions may or may not be answered while we are here. And I submit to you that most of them are not going to be fully answered as long as we are here. These are questions that have been dancing in the universe since the great controversy started in heaven. And that's when the great accusation against God, he's a dictator, his laws are impossible to fulfill, to obey and he's an unjust God and so on, have been floating all over the universe. And they get, the devil used them constantly to raise questions against God, constantly. When people tell me, and it's not unusual to hear men and women, bitter, bitter, angry, said, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in the Bible, I don't believe in none, none of that stuff. And it's funny that they come here to ask for answers. And then he said, tell me, tell me about the God that you don't believe in. And once they explain, they share the God that they don't believe. I said, you know something? I wouldn't believe in that God either. The God that I know is this. And then present the plan of salvation and the love and the grace of God. I have never heard that before. I have never. Yes, I could, I could believe in a God like that. Well, those questions, as I said before, have been posted for about 6,000 years. And let me tell you something else. There is something, something that also prevents us from being able to know exactly what the truth is. And it's our sinful nature. 
our sinful experience that tinted everything that we said. Everything skew our answers. And it's impossible to know the truth. Impossible to know the truth. Let me give you an example of something, something that happened this week. And when I saw it, I said, wow, what an illustration for my sermon on Sabbath. Have you seen this lady on TV? I heard, yes, 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 right there. She lay, she read. And you know, this lady has been accused of being a racist. And when in reality, it's just the opposite. It's the opposite. And people judge her very harshly. And she was uh, asked for her resignation when she's driving her car. Go to one side, stop, write a letter or whatever, resign, resign. Judgment, judgment, harsh judgment. When in reality, it was just the opposite. It was just the opposite. I don't know this lady. And I don't know if what the tape that we have heard over and over and over is the whole story. I don't think so. I think that there is much more. Yesterday she went to visit the farmers that she helped the white farmers that she helped to save their farm. Very moving moment, very moving. There were many tears in, in that group. of. Even the Secretary of Agriculture presented his apologies, and the spokesman for the president did, and the president himself took the phone and called her. I don't know if not, anything of that is genuine or not, and you know something? It's not for me to make that determination. It's not for me. Only God knows. Only God knows. But it alerts me about the need to be cautious and not to make judgments, uh, particularly if it's on negative uh, subjects, to be very, very careful. So I'm absolutely delighted that one day soon, one day soon, we are going to be able to be part of uh, the family that is in heaven, is in the city of God, the city that God loves, and being able to find answers to all our questions. And I have many, as you do. In the city of God, something will happen. We will be there for 1,000 years. The Bible doesn't use the term millennium, but it means a 1,000 years. And what happens during those 1,000 years? I will emphasize today just one thing, one thing, and it's the question and answer time. Well, in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 4, there is a text that goes like this. I saw thrones on which were seated those who have been given authority to judge. The question is this. If the judgment is done when we go to heaven, how come we are already in heaven? It's because the judgment has already taken place. Some, a group of people are going to be in heaven, and a larger group, by far larger group, is going to be here on earth, dead. And the devil will be alone with his angels for 1,000 years. So is that really the judgment, or is something else? The Greek word 
is a little bit different. It doesn't say judge. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 22, it says that the saints will, given the, will be given the opportunity to make the judgment. That means that we are going to be able to confirm, to analyze, to review God's judgments and to pass sentence. When somebody is found guilty, um, the sentence is not proclaimed immediately after that person is declared guilty. Is guilty and then there are two or three or four or five weeks or, or a couple of months until the judge declares the sentence. And the same is true here. We, the saints in heaven, sitting on the throne and on different thrones, we are going to pass uh, the sentence. We are going to declare the sentence. And it's going to be based on the acts, the motives, the thoughts, the actions of every person. Every person. And they will find information in three books. And the Bible identifies those three books. The book of the, the life. The book of life. The book of death. And the book of remembrance. This is the one I'm afraid of. <laughs> book of life. Well, you're right, right there. There's nothing to be afraid. Nothing to be afraid. The book of death. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, the book of remembrance, this is a copy of my section right there. I put it very small so you cannot see it. <laughs> the truth is this. I have no idea what is there. I have no idea. Because every thought that I have had is there. Every motivation is there. Every action is there. Here on Sabbath... And also on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. When it's light like this, and when it's dark. When I'm with you, and when I'm alone. And I don't want you to check that list, okay, on my name. Probably some of you will do it out of curiosity. Well, you know something, it will be a sanctified curiosity. It will be a sanctified curiosity. We are told, we talked about angels two weeks ago, and we are told, and the spiritual prophecy is very clear, that the angels are the ones who keep the records right there. That's why I want to have a long conversation with my angel. I want to know how many times he intervened in my life that I'm not aware of, and that's probably most of it. Right? So it's a very solemn, it's a very sobering time, the one we are going to spend right there. Now, one of you asked me the question, why 1,000 years? Maybe it's 1,000 days. And my answer is, why not? Why not? Sometimes in the Bible, a year is a symbol of a day, or a day is a symbol of a year. If it's 1,000 days, it's about, three, uh, it's about three years. I think that in just a few days, we are going to be satisfied. Why are we asked to, why are we are being asked to do that kind of job? To get, a, to answer every question that we have. Every question that we have. And once those questions have been answered, to see if God is in reality merciful and just. Or if he is a legalistic God. But we are told that in the judgments, in the information that we are going to find, 
When there is conflict between mercy and justice, mercy always overruns justice. And for me, that is absolutely extraordinary. Amen? Oh. Let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters. The greatest case that will determine that God is a God of mercy is not the thief on the cross, is not Samson, Samson, is not Adam, is not Eve, is you and me. Nothing else. We don't need another case. When I'm there and I see how God has been so gracious to me, that's all that I need to see. That's all that I need to see. Lord, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be here. This is so awesome. I haven't said that word in a long time. A few weeks after I came to the church, Amir gave me a gift, a word that said awesome. I still keep it, and so I try not to say it that often. <laughs> but that will be an awesome moment, an awesome moment. I don't deserve this. I am here because of your grace and your grace alone. And your grace alone. And here we are going to have surprises. Yes, people that we never thought that would make it, they will be there. And others and others that we are sure we are going to see there are not going to be there. Sometimes I give this illustration when I study the Bible face to face with somebody. I said, assuming that, <laughs> I don't say assuming at the beginning. I said, you are going to heaven. And God forbid, I'm not there. And then after 300 years, after 1,000, you said, ah. Yeah, I remember Pastor Julio. Let's see if we can find him. And uh, all over the millions, nothing, nothing. Ah, 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 I think that God made a little mistake here. So this individual comes to Jesus and said, um, do you know Julio Tawenka? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> he's not here? No, he's not. Why? He looked pretty decent. Um, you can check the information. And then you go, Julio Tawanka, and maybe there is another Julio Tawanka, I don't know, maybe in Spain, not in America. And finally, the one in Chula Vista, ah, this is it. And you read all the record, and it's not that bad. And the one Tawanka before and after, ay, mamma mia. But there is a difference. <laughs> there is a difference. The difference is that if Julio is not there, it's because he never really believed what he preached. Is that a possibility? If you read in Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23, you will find that he's talking about that specific situation. Preachers who are there because of the check, but not because they have been called by God. And there are not few. There are many. There are many. Or people who are preaching something that they don't believe. They don't believe. I'm delighted, absolutely delighted, that the story of Abraham goes like this. 
And because he believed, he was declared what? Righteous. Righteous. That's the test, my brothers and sisters. That we, what, the reason why we are here today, and the reason why we are going to be here right there, is because you truly believe that Jesus died for you. And that he's not only your savior, but he's the master of your life. And if in our lives we exemplify that sense of belief that he is the Lord of your life. And you, you show that. I told you this story so many times. And here once more, once again, once again. I rem- it's, an, it's an interesting story. Forgive me those who heard me before, okay? It was a Sunday morning. I was reading the book Experiencing God, lesson number two. And he said that this happened 18 years ago. And I still remember that incident. It was a Sunday afternoon. And I'm reading lesson number two, day number two. And it goes like this, in yellow. It says, the Lord has the right to interrupt your life. And I remember, and I'm so happy to see Octavio here. I'm so happy to see Octavio here. The next day I was going to see Octavio. And I remember, I read that statement, the Lord has the right to interfere your life. And I'm thinking, I left the book at one side, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm praying about that. And the phone rang. And I answered the phone, and he said, I'm so and so. Do you remember me? I said, sure. You're a pilot in United Airlines. He said, that's right. You and your fiancé came to one seminar, one class of a seminar. He said, that's right. And God spoke to us in a very direct way, and we want to learn more about God. We want to study the Bible with you. The problem is this. My fiancé comes from Tennessee once a week to San Diego, and I come from New York once a week to San Diego. And the only day that we can meet with you is on Monday. I said, praise God. And then he said, the time. We would like to meet with you for three hours. Did you hear that? (laughs) I said, that will be a Bible study. Three hours. Three hours. From 4 to 7 p.m. And then I understood the statement. Football season started the next Monday. I love football. I said, goodbye football. (laughs) You are the Lord of my life. Thank you for the opportunity to test me. (laughs) And in the whole season, I didn't watch. And and those years, in those years, there was not that system that you tape the whole thing and then you watch it. It comes so handy, okay? (laughs) It didn't exist that. It It was genuine, genuine, a genuine test. Who is the Lord of your life? Football or I am? I have the enormous joy of baptizing them and marrying them. And they live in Tennessee. In Tennessee. God is good. All the time. Yes. There is so many stories that um, yesterday I had. Well, I saw the throne in which we were, uh, were seated. Those who have been 
even authority to judge, is to pass sentence. But it's not only, it's not only to review the, 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 uh, the uh, judgments of God. It's not only that. It's not only to realize that we are saved by the grace of God in nothing else, nothing else. Nothing else. It doesn't matter what you do. We never deserve to go to heaven. We go by what Jesus done for you, but not for what we have done. But we are also called, according to the Apostle Paul, to judge angels. <laughs> Can you imagine? Angels. Do you not know that we will judge angels? Whose angels are these? Are you aware that the plan of salvation doesn't include angels? Is just for us? Can you believe that God loves you and he loves me more than he loves those angels? That's remarkable. The whole universe, we are told that members of the family of God who have never seen, who live in other places, in other places, are watching this experience, this experiment. And they are rejoicing for the coming of the day of the Lord. But they are also watching us on a daily basis. Chip called me when I was working on this statement. Can I share with him a little bit? Okay. And he, was, he told me he was writing what they read a few moments ago that was so appropriate. And then he said something very interesting. When I mentioned I was going to quote this. And he, he said, almost word by word, you impress me, my friend. The statement that comes after that is in Bible Commentary, Volume 6. And, and he knew it by heart. And he says, that's the statement that talks about the need that we have today to learn to be careful in our judging. And to be careful, to learn to be good judges. Okay? But this is what it says, the statement. It goes like this. Now listen, this, this is very powerful. This statement is very, very powerful. When the repentant sinner really surrenders self to Christ, he no longer seeks to defend self but is continually concerned about doing what? Very interesting. If somebody accuses you of something, that doesn't bother you very much. And you don't get busy defending yourself. But listen to what it comes next. It goes like this. Pride is at the root of most disputes that arise in the church. Oh, so-and-so said this. Or so-and-so did this to me. Or so-and-so is angry with me and so on and so forth. It doesn't happen here in Bonita, but just in case, okay? Just in case. Pride is at the root of most disputes that arise in the church. But there is no room for pride in the heart of him who understands his great indebtedness to Jesus. Do you see the point? 
what he did for you is so extraordinary. What he did for me, what he does for me is so exceptionally beautiful. It's such a level of love that we have never experienced. Never experienced. One day, I was, please forgive me for bringing my granddaughters again. Before having daughters, I talk about my dog. Now I'm talking about my dog. <laughs> <laughs> he's still alive at the dog and, and doing fairly well he's getting old he's getting old um, Alicia goes wherever the spirit moves okay and visits them I go wherever the spirit, the spirit moves after the worship service on Sabbath is over and then I go so I'm going one Sabbath afternoon and eager to come and see the family and we were going to stayed at our daughter's home. So I came first to our daughter's home, where Alicia is. And then my son calls, and he said, did dad come? And my daughter said, yes. Tell him that the girls have been outside waiting for him for two hours. And they have a table and something and music and... Oh, oh, I took the car, ran at the speed of sound of speed, and, and came there, and there is an American flag. And <laughs> one of these tables that kids used to sell lemonade. <laughs> and they have prepared cook something for Grandpa. And, uh, uh, and the two came, one from one side of the table, and it, we had a long chat. That is nothing compared to the love of God. Grandkids have the ability to, to give you a taste of that. And that is so precious. It's so precious. Just to be with them is precious. Yes. This is by far superior. By far superior. But the statement doesn't conclude right here. It goes... The truly converted child of God will be on the alert to see what he can do to help his brother, sister along life's road and see how it concludes. Rather than to spend time cherishing, Im how do you pronounce that? Insults and offenses. And you will find many times, many times, people who, oh, because of this... And these are situations that the person who, who supposedly made the offense is not even aware that the other person is angry. This is interesting. This is very interesting. I think it's, in, it's, an, uh, it's a relevant statement in any group that um, asks us that we're looking forward to. Okay. Let me share with you another beautiful moment. Once we finish with those 1,000 years... Or 1,000 days, I don't care. I, what I care is that we are going to be in the presence of God. And that we are going to experience His love. And that we are in the holy city. Not, and, well, I will make that cl clarification in a few moments. After we finish reviewing all God's judgments, and after agreeing that the sentence that God has provided is the right one, 
an immense, indescribable sense of gratitude and joy will fill our hearts. And together we are going to repeat something like this that is found in Revelation chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you. And look how the statement concludes. For your righteous acts have been what? Revealed. And that's, that's the moment when finally the holy city is going to come down. But before that, and this is a no holy moment, this is, and I have given a no-so-biblical name to this moment. And some of you may not like the name. Okay? I call this moment Divine Alzheimer's. <laughs> Divine Alzheimer's. What do I mean when I say that? It means this. We are told very clearly that once we have come to the conclusion that the judgments of God are fair and filled with mercy and grace and love, we are going to confirm that those that we love that are not there, those feelings of pain and agony and loss and whatever are going to take away from our minds. Don't you love it? Praise God for divine Alzheimer's. Never again remember anything that is negative. Never again. Nehemiah, Nehemiah very clear, says, never again even the thought of sin will come, will cross our minds. Nothing. It will be eternal joy, eternal peace, eternal love in the presence of God. In the presence of God. Well, this is the picture of the city of God. Nobody knows how it is, okay? But according to the artist. This place has different names. And the three who read uh, the, uh, that writings that you so eloquently uh, uh, wrote, you mentioned some of these names. This is the New Jerusalem. Now, my brothers and sisters, the New Jerusalem or the city that God loves, or the holy city of Zion, New Earth, is not heaven. Is in heaven, but is not heaven. And sometimes we confuse this. We apply all these names to heaven. Is not. This place, you know what this place is? No, it's not Babylon. Is the Garden of Eden. And you might remember, uh, Sister White is very clear. It says that before the flood, before the flood, God in his mercy took the Garden of Eden back to heaven. And now Jesus has enlarged to have place for everybody that is going to be saved. This is the Garden of Eden, transformed. Prepare for all of us, not just for Adam and Eve. Do you see the point? Yes, it is. Well, it's going to descend. That's where we are going to spend the millennium. 
That's going to be, I love this concept. It's also in the spirit of prophecy. It's going to be the capital of Christ's kingdom. Uh, in the book of uh, Revelation, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, I'm going, you are going to be my people, I'm going to be your God. And we are going to be able to worship him every day, but particularly on one occasion a week that I'm going to show you. It's biblical. Okay? And comes down. It comes down to earth. And when it arrives on, it goes through Orion. Interesting. Yesterday, I was watching a DVD that Susan gave me to watch. Very interesting. Very interesting. Very provocative. Uh, a little bit long, but <laughs> I watched the whole thing. And it's done by an evangelical who believes many things that we believe and uh, declares that the holy city will come back through Orion. And that's what we believe too. Very interesting that there are evangelicals who believe exactly the same thing through Orion. Orion. And then it will come and will place itself over the Mount of Olives. Some of you have been there. And then the Mount of Olives, well, we remember Mount of Olives like this. It has two of the, uh, not that, okay, here it is. This is one, and the other one is right there. Two of the eight trees that are, have been there for years and years. We would like to think that it's from the time of Christ, but they are not that old. Probably a thousand years old, but no, not older than that. They are called the eight witnesses. The eight witnesses. So the holy city is going to descend on Mount Olives. And this is a night picture of Mount Olives. And then the Mount Olives is going to divide itself in two. In two, and it's going to become a great valley. That's where the great city is going to descend. And then two things are going to happen. Two things are going to happen. Satan and his angels will be released. They have been alone for a thousand years or a thousand days. Let me emphasize one thousand years. Um, I know that I'm going to hear from you, so that's why I'm going to emphasize that. And Satan angels will be released. They will become busy again because that comes the second resurrection. And you might remember that there are seven Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. And one of them says like this. Blessed are those who are resurrecting the first resurrection. And they resurrect for eternal life. Those who resurrect in the second resurrection, they will resurrect to eternal perdition. And that's when, once they are ready to attack the holy city... Sulfur and fire will consume the earth. And you said, what happened to the holy city? Nothing. You remember how the uh, ark, Noah's ark, is right there. And if it was not for the angels of the Lord that were taking care of the ark, that ark would have been destroyed in millions of pieces. But the grace of God protected the ark. And the grace of God will protect his city. You might remember how the people of Israel in Goshen, they didn't, didn't, uh, they were not the object of the plagues. The Egyptians did, but not them. And it was in the middle of Egypt. And the holy city is not going to be touched by that fire. That fire will be also a purifying factor in creating a new earth and a new heaven. 
And then it concludes with one verse that is so beautiful. Isaiah 66, verse 23. And it goes like this. From new one moon to from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord God. May the Lord Jesus. May the Lord Jesus. Be in your heart and mind that every person that is here today be dear to.